Yeah. Long time ago, they didn't have microphones.
offer you a glory. Bless this offering and multiply it. For your use, and for all of us, for like an hour.
except for this number seven. some 
cross-referencing and all that kind of stuff that you do when you want to back up your information and that's kind of the person I am. I guess I just want to make sure I try to glean what I can that I know is something that we need to uh, learn, understand, and all that. Just to make sure, and I will be handing out uh, copies of this, uh, hoping to get it done. I'm going to make quite a few of the copies. Again, I want, I want to, I want to let you know. Kind of gives us an in general idea of the calendars, and then every every feast and what they uh, what they simple what they represent. I will have these copied, and uh, these are not revised. They'll give you a general idea. And so any notes that you have taken during Sunday school will be uh, probably useful. You can probably use that to revise even what's on here. But here gives you a good, uh, a good understanding, a good basic understanding of everything that we've been covering here. So I, I will hand these off probably next Sunday. I, I will get these next Sunday is what the world celebrates as far as Easter Sunday. And we know what that really is. But, but um, I will have them out to you. Uh, along with this one, I, I'm kind of hesitant a little bit. Uh, this this particular one uh, that I received, of course, it kind of got, uh, you know, I made some copies for somebody, and somehow during the process, I lost the original, but I retained the copy of the original, but uh, I'm kind of, uh, in the sense of, of how should I say, maintaining doctrine. It gives you a general idea of the sense of the planting season, uh, the growing season, and the reaping season. A general idea, not very specific, but here it is. Uh, I want to I pass that on, but please pay attention to what how they present it, because I noticed that this was what I started off with back in 1985, somewhere around there. 86, and uh, digging more into what we've been studying, I found out some of the the presentation, some of the scripture, the understanding, the interpretation, uh, I found out as, as I begin to, to dig and <coughs> attain more uh, information scripturally, even 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 things concerning the feast from the Jewish standpoint, a lot of these a lot of these references were, I like to say I just kind of pushed them aside. They helped me, but then they weren't they weren't presented in the way that I thought was you know that. Uh, I, I'm glad I know what I know now, but just by studying, I found out a lot of things. Even you know. Per se, in, in the fellowship, in the church right now, there's a lot of things pertaining the doctrine of the coming of the Lord, that there's a lot of disagreement when he's going to come, and all this kind of stuff. So that kind of falls into that area. So you need to pay close attention because, as we've been saying, uh, especially the, the seventh-month feast, uh, I'm not a debater, though I was taught to debate. Uh, Brother Garrison taught us well, taught us to debate. Uh, 
the, the sole reason was, he said, everything we do as far as the word of God, the doctrine that we adhere to, as far as the church, he said, we have to make our, everything we do as a test of fellowship. He had a lot of reasons for that. He said, because we don't want to be swayed or caught up in something that is not scripture. Amen. Amen. And, and um, as a result, I found out even that alone that there's a lot of <coughs> inferences in God's word. Uh, people like to mention things. You hear people mention things without really knowing what they're talking about. Amen. Not having a scriptural foundation. Not backing it up with scripture. That's what I mean. A lot of inferences. Even about his coming. A lot of misunderstanding. And, and I'm not a debater, but when it comes time to defend the Word of God, sometimes you have to defend the Word of God as long as you have Scripture to back it up. Amen. Amen. And you can defend your stand, which a lot of people uh, a lot of people don't realize. And let me tell you something. I've been there. I've been on what, up one hill and down the other. Pertaining to that, and a lot, of, and a lot of people, even I found out, even amongst my own constituents, my own colleagues, people, people were offended. And uh, of course, some that were offended later on came back to me and said, "Brother Marshall, now I know what I see. What you're talking about, I see what you're talking about. I understand it now. But if it wasn't for that confrontation." it would have never stirred them to dig in the Word of God. Amen. So as a result, the Lord revealed to them the very thing that you know I shared. And, and I, I don't mean to offend anybody. I want you to understand that I don't mean to offend anybody. I just want to state you know, what I understand is doctrine, what is truth. And I found out that, yes, you know, we accept certain things, we hear certain things, but without really knowing everything about it, uh, we, we need to, I guess, really be cautious and, and be uh, mindful and thoughtful of the Word. Of the Word. That's important for us. Okay, so I, I will have these ready for you and I have them passed out. Uh, of course, like I said, all this, all this information is basic information. What, 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 which will lead you to a greater understanding, especially uh, I, I'm right now. I'm purposely, I'm purposely leaving out a lot of things connected to the feast, and, and the reason why I'm doing that because you'll find out when you start to study it. You're going to find out why I did it, but we will come across them later. I will introduce them to you later to give you to give you an idea that once you get a hold of the basic things concerning the feast. You'll know why I did that. And when we bring them into the picture, you're going to see why. You're going to see, you're going to say, oh, okay, that's what. That's why he did that. And, and to eliminate a lot of the, how can I say, uh, embellishments that, that men connected to the feast. Okay. Am I making sense? Uh, okay, here, here, here's the reason why. Uh, yesterday I was just double checking my my notes, my presentation, going back over everything, 
Of course, I've, I've, been, I've studied this, like I said, this started out a long time ago and never really fully comprehended why God would, why the Lord would want to pick a person like me and several other ministers, several other men, to want to put a seed, to plant a seed in, in our heart concerning this. I mean, this is, let me tell you something, what we're talking about right now, the reason why I'm saying this, it's controversial. It's controversial. Wherever we go in fellowship, it's controversial. And, and here's the thing, I found, I found this out. I found out people don't want to hear it. Because if they believe a certain way, they don't want their belief or their understanding disturbed. Once they believe that way, they say, that's it. And, and let me tell you something, I'm speaking to you by experience. Because I used to believe a certain way about the coming of the Lord. And, and that, that, that's what I heard. That was what was taught me. But, but when I found out, when, when the Lord said, uh, I'm going to reveal the truth to you about this. Because there's more to it than, than you understand. Than you know right now, there's more to it. And so guess what happened? Guess what happened? In my defense of my early teaching, I was offended. Because I found out what happened, what was being brought to me, what was being introduced to me, had more scriptural foundation than what I knew. So as a result, guess what I had to do? I had to eat humble pie. Amen. I had to eat humble pie. I had to humble myself to what the Lord was showing me. I didn't know it was the Lord showing it to me, but I had to humble myself to that. Because my understanding wasn't really clear it, it wasn't really clear it was at best it was uh, obscured by a lot of uh, how could I say doctrines of men okay uh, that is interesting <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things that we could go into pretending to that that is interesting so so of course my feathers were ruffled, and a lot of people get their feathers ruffled, so um, get offended. And, and uh, what, what, what I'm teaching you, I began to teach years ago, back in the 90s. I began to teach at different fellowships and campgrounds. And, and uh, of course, you know, men that believe one way, they were pretty well offended, and, and it came to a point where uh, it, it basically initialized debate. And, um, and so here, here I was standing in that place where, you know, because of God's word, uh, I had to defend, I had to defend what, what the Lord revealed to me or what, what I understood. And uh, so I, I guess that's, that's, that's what made me really how would I say conscientious about what I believe and making sure what God revealed to me was his word and, and not only that here's the thing when we feel like we the Lord's revealed something to us we feel it in our spirit of course what what is the test to that does anybody know what the test to that is the Bible says try the spirits to see whether they be of God or not uh, not everything you receive 
is of God. Right. Huh? That's, right. That's why you have to try the spirits. You want, the devil will not waste his time on somebody that doesn't have any care for the truth right. or anything right. spiritual. He would not waste because he already has them where he wants them. That's right. But when God's beginning to re reveal things to you and you're coming into that area where you're, you're in that, if I want to say it this way, that realm or dimension of the spirit where God's trying to impart spiritual truths to you, guess what's going to happen? He's going to try to infiltrate, infiltrate your mind. And he'll come, like the Bible says, he even comes as a false, huh? uh, an angel of light. False, a, a false prophet, a false teacher. So, so we, we understand. That. I'm just, I'm just helping you out a little bit, so you can know, so you won't be fall into uh, confusion. You won't fall into that place of confusion because you know that's what he'll want to do. He'll, he'll want you. Here's, here's the thing. He will always want you to question. God's word. That's right. And, and he will always want you to question what God is revealing to you. So that right. always comes up. So that's why, you know, we have to be careful. We have to try the spirits to see whether they be of God or not. Right. Now, now, I'm sharing this with you. I won't charge you for this. <laughs> I'm sharing this with you. Because a lot of people, I've had people ask me that question. How do you know it's a, when it's from God? Well, first of all, he always bears witness through his word. There will always be a witness through his word. He will always substantiate what he is giving to you, his instruction, his commandments, what is doctrine, what is teaching. He'll substantiate. There's going to be more than yourself that is going to have that understanding. And that's why it's beautiful. We have the safeguard. Of, we have the written word where we can look into the word and we can... Like the Bible says about the Bereans, they went into the Word of God and they searched whether these things were so. Right. What the apostles were telling them. And see, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take you to know the Word. Amen. To know the Word. Hallelujah. Brother Dan was telling me the other night at youth night, there was a lot of these young people that went in there and just rattled it off, all the books of the Bible, like it was none of their business. <laughs> And that's good. It's good that they can go in there and they know the books of the Bible and that's going to basically help them to not just to know the books of the Bible, where they are, that they're in order, but even to take them further and, and into those books and so that they can read and they can understand what's in there. And, and it's good. So that's how, that's how our approach is. We, for us to be able to know and understand, it's going to take you to read. It's going to take you to dig. It's going to take you to search. Or even as Jesus said, to knock. The door will be open to you. But but how do we do that? Well, James gave us a uh, James gave us a little bit of wisdom in, in James chapter 3, verse number 15. It says, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. I want you to understand something. When you feel something, and, 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 you, and you think it's God, but it's making you feel like it's, it's causing, there is no peace there. 
It's causing strife. It's causing you to question. It's causing you to feel a certain way where your spirit doesn't feel good. Okay? Then you know there's something about it. When it causes you to question it, when it causes you to, there's uncertainty, huh? Then you know there's something about it, okay? But he says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It is pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So when God's word comes to you, can you imagine what it was like when, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he ascended up into the cloud and all that noise, the trumpet, the thunders, the lightning, the earthquake, all, all that, you know, the presence of God there, he ascended up to it. When he got in the midst of all that, guess what he experienced? He was in awe because he was in the very presence of life itself. The life-giving force. And here it was. You know what? He was probably just like... He was probably in awe of how pure and holy God was and is. And even feeling amidst going to all that, but, but he's seen and going up there and being in the presence of God. Guess what? I, I wonder if he really knew he was up there 40 days and 40 nights. Because here he was, he was just like, to me, now this is my opinion, my own opinion, but to me it was like, he didn't want to come down from that mountain. Right, right. But God reminded him, hey, you let a, you let a herd of people out here, they're waiting for you down there, and they're doing things that aren't right. You need to get right back down here, Moses, ah, do I have to? Why? Because his soul was his soul absorbed with God's presence. He absorbed everything about God. Here's the thing. Is everybody, is everybody, is everybody listening? Here's the thing. When he left Mount Sinai and he went down to the people, what happened to him? His face was a glow. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. Even his natural force was abated, as the Bible says. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. You cannot tell me you can't touch God and be in his presence and feel his spirit, and you won't be changed. Right, right. Huh? When people tell me, oh, uh, you know, I, I I prayed and and I prayed for a long time, but guess what? And, when, and I'm not I'm not a judge of anybody, but you know what tells me that they didn't really touch God is because you know what? They weren't affected. Right, right. Their appearance was the same. Their their thinking was the same. Everything about them was the same. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's why that's that's how it should make a difference. Just I, I didn't mean to deviate from from what I'm going to present to you, but I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. When God speaks to something to you, you're going to know it's God. But always be careful. You need to try those spirits to see whether they be of God or not, because not everything you get 
is from the Lord. Huh? Try the spirits. I've seen a lot of people, I've been there myself, where they thought it was God. It wasn't God. Huh? He'll, he'll go have you chasing something that's not even of God. So that's why you got to be careful. Not everything's of God. Not everything you receive is of God. So you got to be careful of that. Anyway, with that said, so here we are. As I was explaining earlier, here I was checking my notes, double checking, going over certain thoughts, certain things, and all of a sudden it was just like this morning when I got up. Here I was again, I, I, I got out my notes and I was going over them. Okay, this is this is what I'm going to concentrate on right now. This is what I want to do. I was feeling in my heart. This is what I want to do. And all of a sudden the Lord says, well, you, that's good, but this is what you're going to do. <laughs> but it's it's still in connection to what we're talking about here. So, so I thought, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I have plenty of scripture for what he wants me to do, so I guess we'll be here for a while. I don't know. But, but amen. Turn your attention with me. Uh, I, I wanted to come to, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. I wanted to concentrate on the high priest this morning. We might, Lord willing, if I get through this, we will. I wanted to concentrate on the duties of the high priest during the, the Feast of Tabernacles, or, or the seventh month feast, everything that you know, the high priest was, the, the instruction given to him, I was going to concentrate on that, and also to the people, because they were given instruction concerning the seventh month feast, and the sacrifices. So those three things, the priesthood, the people and the sacrifices. Those are all important because they all go together. But in, but here, uh, there was a little, uh, something brought into the picture, into the into the limelight that I want you to understand. And this pertaining to the feast, it's not like it isn't, but it is. So Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 10, this is what it says. It says, uh, hear the word of the Lord. And of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Now, now look what he's saying here. He's not speaking to Sodom. He's not speaking to Gomorrah. He's speaking to Israel. But look what he is. Look at what he is saying. Look at what he is saying. Look what he is basically referring them and comparing them to. Okay? Does everybody see that? Why, why, why is it? Because of their abominations. Because of their abominations. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Ask them that question. What purpose is your sacrifices, the multitude of your sacrifices, unto me, saith the Lord. I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of eagles. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my corpse? Bring no more 
vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. Keep, your, keep that in mind, huh? Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. But your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Seize to do evil, learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, Plead for the widow. Hallelujah. So here, here he's, he's stating to them, you know, of course, here's the thing. It's important for us to understand that there's a reason why he appointed the feast. There's a reason why he wanted them to, to celebrate the feast during the appointed times of the year. <clears throat> Everything that was connected to the feast, all the, the, the commandments he, he he gave concerning the feast and for, for Israel to uphold were pretty pretty basic. Pretty basic. That's what he wanted them to do. The whole reason was this. The whole, the whole reason for all that he commanded Israel you know, concerning the feast was this. So that you can worship me. Hmm? Right. You can worship me. But you can worship me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Everything in your life, everything that, you know, your life consists of, you can worship me. You can come before me, but you can come before me with a right spirit, with a right attitude. Come before me because you love me and you desire me and you, you want to humble yourself to me. Okay, uh, so, so that was the reason why he, he spoke to Israel in, in such a fashion was this. And you go over there to uh, Jeremiah chapter 6, and uh, right around verse number 18 in the book of Jeremiah, um, chapter 6, verse number 18. And, and, and you'll see here, 6.18, it says this. It says, Therefore hear... Ye nations and know, O congregation, what is what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened <coughs> unto my words nor to my law, but rejected it. Now he's talking about he's talking about Israel again. He's talking about his people. He said, To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba? And sweet came from a far country. Burnt offerings are not, your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. So here we, here we get another uh, a picture at why he was displeased with their offerings and their sacrifices. 
everything that he, of course, he wanted them to bring, that was a commandment. But here, here was the thing. They altered, they altered everything as far as their sacrifices were concerned. Their approach to them, it was altered. It was altered not by him, but by them. Because he gave them specific instruction as far as what to what to do and what to bring. And even the the heart and the spirit, the condition that it had to be when it approached him when they came before him. <coughs> Amen. Basically, here's, here's what happened. We see that even in Christendom, we see that in Christianity today, in the in the so-called church world. Men like to impose their opinions and their beliefs and say, this is the word of God. Huh? We live in that kind of world. We see that in our society. Everybody has an opinion about the word. Huh? This is what God expects of us. And, and you know what? He never even spoke it. That's why I say, when, when we take a look at, there's a reason why I'm presenting to you the basics. Because what's happened is man has basically, if I want to say it this way, he's ornated or embellished what he thinks God wants of us. It's, it's what we impose, it's our understanding, it's our opinions. But you know what that is? That is religion. Huh? That's religion. And so here's, here's the Lord. He's saying, I, I, I don't want, I don't want, uh, I don't want any of this. Of course, uh, remember I told you to pay attention to what he said uh, in, in the book of Isaiah when he said that, uh, when he was talking about uh, what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord, I'm full of the burnt offerings of rams and of the fat, look what he says, of the fat of fed beasts. Okay? And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of eagles. Uh, and all this. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. Now, now why did he refer to all that? Well, look what he says. Here we have a we have a little insight here why he said when he mentioned incense is an abomination unto me. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba? Hallelujah. In other words, you know, if, if you study the Word of God closely enough, if you look into the Word of God closely enough, there are points in Israel's history that they were very uh, how prosperous. But their prosperity wasn't really connected to really the, the way and, and the method that God wanted them to prosper. He wanted to, you know what? God always wants His people to be dependent upon Him. Amen. Amen. Huh? That's right. He wants us to be dependent upon Him. But what happened with Israel from time to time, you know what they did? They always went back. They always backslid. They always served other gods. They always looked to other countries for their so-called wealth and prosperity. So as a result here, their connection to that, their connection to these false gods and these idols and even substance from foreign countries, that's why he mentions the incense of Sheba. In other words, where you're getting all this substance from 
is really not from my hand. It's from your so-called hand. And you, you bringing this into my house, and therefore you're, you're offering the incense of Sheba unto me. I have not required that from you. Huh? So, so, so we see here, and, and I know some of you might be like, oh, this is kind of unpleasant. No, it's really not. Because, you know what? Where, where was... Uh, if you study in the book of Exodus in chapter 25 all the way through chapter 29, 30, somewhere around there, you're going to find out he gave specific instruction concerning everything that was involved in the tabernacle, even the anointing oil, even the incense. He, he spoke, uh, gave certain commandments to Moses concerning the in, incense and, and everything that was supposed to be offered before him on the altar of incense. Guess where the, the fire was to come that was going to light the, the, the fire in, in, in the altar incense? Guess where that was supposed to come from? Does anybody know? It was supposed to come from the brazen altar. So in other words, guess what? Everything that was offered up, incense is a type of our prayers. Everything that was offered up was supposed to come from the altar of sacrifice. In other words, guess what? Our personal sacrifice. But what you know what they were doing? They were they were basically excluding their personal sacrifice and saying, what I've gotten from these other countries, the wealth I've gotten, that's what I'm going to take and I'm going to present. It wasn't substance from their personal sacrifice. Are you kidding me now? So that's why he said, this is unacceptable to me. This is why it's unacceptable has to be something born of our own faith. Something born of our own testimony. Something born of our own life. Of our own substance. Something born of that. Why? The reason why is because I want you to be dependent upon me. Is everybody getting just a bit now? Amen. You go over there into uh, 1 Samuel. You see this in 1 Samuel. I'm just, I'm just showing you uh, the, the thinking behind our, our, our what should be our motivation, our spirit, our, our thinking behind our sacrifices. And uh, praise God. And, and there's a reason why it's recorded in here to kind of give us understanding. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, if I didn't give you a chapter already, 1 Samuel 15 and verse number 22, and look what he says here. Uh, he says that, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Offerings and sacrifices, yes, that's all part of it, but guess what he, he, he desires of us? Obedience. <laughs> Obedience. Obedience to what? Obedience to his, to his word. Amen. And when you obey his word, you obey his will. Amen. So if there's something that's more important, it's just not just coming to, you know, present our sacrifices to him, to offer our sacrifices. But here's the thing. You could offer a sacrifice. You could bring a sacrifice, but you probably won't be under total obedience or submission to him. Hmm? Are you getting the, you getting the point now? Are you making? Are you seeing it? So so here we see that. Uh, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, 
and to hearken than the fat of rams. So in other words, here's, here's, another, here's another teaching about that is this. Even though we may bring some very expensive or very costly sacrifices, even though we may bring him the best of what we have, he says, I would rather your heart be in the place it should be with me than for you to bring all these sacrifices. Are you listening to me? That's what he says. That's what, that's what he was speaking. So, and of course, uh, this can be backed up if we go, if we go into the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms 51, <clears throat> and you're, you're probably all familiar with this scripture verse, but we'll go there anyway. There's nothing wrong with uh, going back, reminding ourselves, Praise God, even if it is elementary. Psalm 51, verse 16, it says this. Uh, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. So that that's that's even greater than better for us than bringing a sacrifice. You know? Yes, we are instructed to. Somebody might say, Well, well, why does he tell us to? Yes, that's important, but here, we've gotten so used to coming before the Lord without our hearts being in the place that it should be. Amen. Is that is that simple enough? And, and we see that we see that thought uh, in different different times in in Israel's uh, uh, existence in their history. Uh, go with me to the book of Isaiah uh, sixty six, chapter sixty six, and uh, Isaiah sixty six and verse number one. It says this. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb as if he cut off a dog's head, a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. So so we can see, we can see, we can, look, we can take a look at it and see why it's important for us that uh, our spirit. I say that our spirit. I, I, I kind of get. I guess um, because because of how people think in, in the world today. By the way, they talk about attitude. Attitude. I seen the sticker on somebody's little vehicle at Walmart. It says there's a sticker on the back of the vehicle. That says, my 
My latitude has an attitude. <laughs> I read that and I said, I hear you loud and clear. Praise God. So it's, it's where people are in their thinking, in their mentality. If you have an attitude, now here's the thing. I've I, I rubbed a lot of people wrong because I said, especially professors. I said, when you have an attitude, it's because you have a bad spirit. How do you know that? Well, the Bible says. Huh? The Word of God says. Sometimes I just want to rub it in. The Word of God. Hallelujah. Just rub them wrong and just make them just kind of, you know how, you know how this, you know how people are when they react. And that's when I like to just kind of twist it a little bit. <laughs> but that's that's the whole thing about it. You know, we, the reason why I'm saying this, and you're going to probably, hopefully, see this later on, especially coming into the time period that we're coming in right now, you're going to see how this is very vitally important. <laughs> Our approach, what God's going to do right now. Here's the thing. I, I don't want to jump the gun or let the cat out of the bag, but what God's going to do, it's necessary for us to, to come into his house with a right spirit. Amen. With a humble spirit. Amen. Now, how many of you really love God? Amen. Huh? You really love him. How many of you really want God to touch you? In this place? If you come in here, and how many of you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? That's that's what we should come in here and and you know what because we, we experience God in that in that fashion in that magnitude we ought to leave here renewed in Him not us in Him so every thought that we come in here with if it wasn't a pleasant thought we'll leave here we'll leave here set free we'll leave here cleansed we'll leave here clean. Huh? That's why it's important for us. That's the whole reason all this is happening. I'm just trying to put it all together so you can know. And, and know. Praise God. Anyway, Hosea 6, 6. Let's see what the Word of God says in the book of Hosea. I'm just giving you, okay, uh, I just realized, I've seen it on my notes. These, this is how God spoke to Israel. Of course, I always remember they always somehow reverted back to their idolatry and their sin and, and, and not walking with him uprightly. Going back to certain abominations and all this. And that's the reason why he spoke to them in this fashion. So Hosea 6.6 6, it says, For I desired mercy. Kind of gives you an idea, idea of the state of mind that they were in at this particular time. I desired mercy and not sacrifice and knowledge of God more than burnt offerings but they like men have transgressed the covenant there have they there have they dealt treacherously against me Hallelujah. treacherously 
treason. That's when we just totally, when we just totally, how would I say, object or disobey God. Huh? When we know, when we know what the word of God says, and we just boldly stand in resistance and are contrary. He said, I desired mercy. What does that tell you? I desired mercy. Obviously, at that particular time, they weren't merciful people. Huh? Israel was supposed to manifest the love of God, not just to him, but to one another. Huh? Even to those that were, even without, those that were maybe the poor, maybe the destitute, maybe all these people that really needed the love of God, guess what? There was no mercy. And God said, I desire, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God. And not burnt offerings. Woo! Hallelujah. That's, what, that's what's important for us, that we have to learn by not just our mistakes, we have to learn by other people's mistakes too, I guess. And uh, I, uh, the same book of Hosea, chapter 8, verse, verse number uh, 13, it says, They sacrifice flesh for the sacrifices of mine offerings and eat it. But the Lord accepteth them not, nor will he remember their iniquity and visit their sins. They shall return to Egypt. So in other words, uh, <coughs> he said they sacrifice flesh for the sacrifices of mine offerings. <coughs> so obviously, their sacrifices weren't the kind of sacrifices that the Lord required them to offer. Huh? They were different sacrifices. But they did it. But they did it. And the Lord accepted them not. Here's, here's the thing. Okay. Um, like I said, I don't jump to them. But... Just to give you an idea of what he's speaking about here. Um, when they approached God, of course you read that in the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, as far as the sacrifices were concerned, they approached into, into the tabernacle when they came, every Israelite, they came. Uh, remember, the male Israelite, the head of the family, represented the whole family. So he was the one that brought the sacrifice. He was a representation of his family. He was the head. So he brought the sacrifice. Of course, when you came into the presence of God, because you were, you were sinful, you were unclean. What was one of the first sacrifices that you offered to the Lord? Does anybody know? The sin offering. To take care of the uncleanness, to take care of the sin question, you brought a sin offering. That blood had to be poured out. That blood had to be brought before him, before the tabernacle, and shed right there. So they took that blood of the sin offering. The next 
offering that had to be brought after your the sin was taken care of in your life. Okay? Here's the next thing. Because that sin, the sin question was taken care of, now you have peace with God. Right. Huh? Now that now his wrath was was pushed back on your life. It was pushed back. Now you have peace with God. So as a result, guess what? You're any person that you're forgiven, guess what happens? You're thankful, aren't you? Yes. You're thankful. So what, what do you do? I'm going to bring a burnt sacrifice. I'm going to bring a burnt sacrifice. I'm going to... There's some things in our life that we're thankful for that you know what? We're going to offer up unto God a burnt sacrifice. <laughs> a sacrifice of what? Thanksgiving and praise. And, and you know why? Because the, this contained in the burnt sacrifice is, of course, the peace... The peace offering, the thanksgiving offering. Huh? So all those things are, here we are, we, we, we offer them up. So, so that's what we're, and, and the whole thing about this, the whole thing about this is this. We have been forgiven and our fellowship with him has been established. And guess what? We are thankful people. Hallelujah. So as a result, guess what? It puts us in, it puts us, the objective was to put us in the right frame of mind. Huh? Oh. It's not that, you know, yes, my sins are forgiven. My sins have been wiped clean. Now I have fellowship with him. But here's the thing. Now I can have, amen, a life. <coughs> Of communication with God. So our, our, our thinking is that we have been established. Now we can have that communication. Now we can have that relationship. Now I can build upon that relationship. So guess what? Your mind was put in a certain state. And when it's in that area, guess what? You're going to walk humbly before God. Huh? You're going to walk obedient before Him. Okay, so that's the whole reason why. Uh, you see that uh, Amos chapter, Amos chapter five. We're just looking at certain things that the Lord brought up. Certain, you know, certain things that He brought up to His people Israel. Certain things at different times. Why He was, you know, upset. Why He was displeased. Uh, Twenty-one of Amos five. Says, look what he says. I hate, I despise your feast days. Does everybody see that? And I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beast. Take, take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials, but let judgments run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. So look what he's saying. All the stuff you're doing, you're making all this noise, you're worshiping me, but guess what? Exercise judgment. Huh? Let righteousness run as a mighty stream. Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But look what he says. But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, 
and shining your images, the star of your God, which he made to yourself. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. In other words, here's all this stuff. The reason why he said he was displeased with God, because you're, you're still worshiping these false gods. Woo! Well, we have, you know, Here's the thing. I would probably get into it, but but if I got into it, I'd, I'd be going for. I would I would probably take the rest of this teaching this morning to to uh, I guess go into a lot of certain certain things that right now we, we look into the world and there are certain things that are hidden hidden and and they're covered that we don't really see what they're all about. But a lot of people like to. Take part in them, you know, some of our holidays during the year. We like to take part in them. Oh! But you know what? The devil likes that because you know what he did? He put a shroud over it. And saying, this has to do with God. It doesn't have anything to do with God. And and if you you do enough research, you're going to find out it has to do with pagan worship. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a pagan no more. God delivered me from that pagan worship. I used to be a pagan. I'm not. I'm a child of God now. And, and, I, and I used to be a heathen, but I'm not a heathen anymore. That's right. You know what a heathen is? Does anybody know the true meaning of the word heathen? The definition of a heathen? Somebody that doesn't know about God. Somebody that has no understanding of God. That's a heathen. A pagan... A pagan, yes, they believe in a God, but not the God. That's right. And if they do believe in the God, guess what? Their their worship of God is basically mingled with the religions of men. That's right. Now here's the thing. If you if you study the New Testament in the book of Gospels, Jesus came and of course they were his people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots. Uh, there, uh, there were several other uh, the Essenes, several other religious groups during the day of Jesus. But you know what? Jesus came, and, and, and even John the Baptist said, John the Baptist is his first uh, connection with him. He said, "Who warned you to flee from the wrath?" And you know what he called us? You snakes. Right. Woo! You vipers. Huh? Why? Oh. Yes, they had a form of godliness. Yes. But they were so full of religion. So full of tradition. So full of the, the, the what do you say, the, the, the doctrines of men. Huh? And, 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 and even, even Jesus rebuked him for that. Even he was displeased with them for that. He, he, you know, and, and of course the way we were taught, try to be as Nice as you can. <laughs> so I thought about that. Okay, I'll try to be as nice as I can, but guess what? When I began to read the word, I found out, hey, Jesus wasn't nice to them. He took a, he took a whip and he whipped them. Get out of my house. Huh? So I thought, well, Jesus wasn't nice to them. Why should I have to be nice to them? Huh? So anyway, with that all being said, there's a lot of things out there, and we're going to find out. Here's the thing. Oh, man. I, if 
I go into it. I don't want to go too far into it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everything that we're doing right now as far as this study is going to bring us to that point of he's going to bring his word. The word is going to be brought back in front of his people again. So the whole reason why the seventh month feast. The word is going to be brought back again so that they can be reminded. We can be reminded of his commandments, of his instruction to us. So that we can understand that we can see it is his word. His, his unadulterated word. So, so one, and the whole purpose of that, Paul said, so that we be not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slave man. By the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Okay? So that's the whole reason why it's being brought from us so that we can take a really good look and say, Ooh, wow. So, praise God. Uh, Malachi, last one. Malachi chapter 1. The book of Malachi, chapter 1. Excuse me. Malachi, chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verses 7 and 8. Well, we'll we'll, we'll back up to uh, verse number 6. A son honored his father, a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, Where have we despised thy name? Now, Hypnotic has another controversy here. What is it? He said, He offered polluted bread upon mine altar. Polluted bread. <coughs> and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Hallelujah. Offering polluted bread upon the altar. And you say that the Lord is contemptible. Here, let me tell you something. Whose fault is it really? Huh? Why? Because all of these sacrifices were brought by the hands of his people. Yeah. So they knew. They knew what was required for them, of them. He gave them specific instruction concerning everything as far as the, 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 the meal. Okay? How it, how it was supposed to be baked. How it was supposed to be fried. Huh? Here's, we're kind of connected to them because they have fried bread. We've got fried bread. Yeah, they actually made fried bread. The, the, what's the Hebrew word for, the, for unleavened bread? Uh, I don't want to butcher it. Matzah or something like that. Matzah. Matzah. But there was a way they, they baked it and they fried it. And there's a certain way he said, I want you to prepare it. So they had baked bread, they had fried bread. So I guess they're kind of connected to us in a way. Praise God. Yeah. So so anyway, they it was required. They knew what they had to bring. So if they brought something that wasn't kosher, does anybody know what kosher is? Huh? 
It's not a people. <laughs> Kosher is something made for the occasion. If, if you come before me in the fashion I, I want you to come before me, for you, you know what he said? He spoke to us. He said, I will feed you with the finest of wheat. So in other words, if we come in like, hey, how many of you really want to be spiritually fed? Amen. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to feed you with the finest of wheat. But let's not bring food and bread in here and offer it up to him and say, He said, and ye say, word have we polluted thee, in that ye say the table of the Lord is contemptible, and if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, you know what? Your sacrifices aren't acceptable. Why? They weren't supposed to offer blind, the blind. They weren't supposed to offer the sick. Huh? Here's, a, here's a beautiful thing. Woo! My, my. Here's a beautiful thing. During, during the Passover, during the Passover, they brought that Passover lamb. They brought it in four days before it was supposed to be sacrificed. Four days, the family brought that Passover lamb. So every, here's the thing. Every family member, this is, this is what Jewish teaching says, every family member was able to behold that lamb. It gave every family member an opportunity to, to really look at that lamb, to see if that lamb was an acceptable sacrifice. There was supposed to be no scabs, no uh, you know, deformity or anything on that lamb. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Huh? Couldn't be sick, couldn't be blind, couldn't have one ear bigger than the other, and anything like Had to be a perfect sacrifice. Guess what? And, and here's the thing. The reason why every family looked at that lamb and observed that lamb for four days is so that they could make a connection with it. Did you know God wants you to make a personal connection Amen. with him? Because he was our sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. And if we look at what he did for us, guess what? And when they looked at, the, at that lamb and they seen that it was a perfect lamb, you know what other thing that they noticed about that lamb? They noticed that lamb was an innocent lamb. And that lamb was dying for them. It was going to be sacrificed for them. It was innocent, but yet, you know what it was doing? It was taking upon their judgment. Somebody, but I said, uh, I heard I heard a, a, a brother preach, Ron Taylor preach about the sin of casual worship. We come in like how we want to come in, huh? 
we come in and we want to give to God what we want to give to God. But we don't want to give to him what he requires of us. That's the difference. And that's almost like what Malachi is saying. Hey, you're not supposed to offer the blind. You're not supposed to offer the lame. You're not supposed to offer the sick. But you know what? We come in that way. We don't want to give God the best we have. We want to give him the leftovers. Guess what? God doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your best. He wants your best. He wants you to sacrifice the best. You ever wonder, ever wonder why that? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ah, man. Lord Jesus. But here's the thing. Why does he say the first fruits of all your increase? The first fruits. It's the best. It is the best, but it's your first. The first that comes off of the field. The first corn, the first wheat, the first barley. Huh? In the fall, it was the olives and all this, the grapes and all these, the nuts, the berries. Okay, but you know what? Before they even were able to put their hands on that field, guess what? The first had to go to him. He didn't want them giving him, them, or him, the leftovers. We don't take what we want first, and then what's left we give to God. We give what's his. We, we, take, we take his portion out first. Take his portion out first, give it to him, and then, then you can have access to what is left there. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. Amen. I'm talking about everything in your life. Huh? You give to God first. Don't give him what's left over. That's right. Approach him first. Amen. Give him glory. The first thing you wake up in the morning, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Make connection with him right away. Give him the first. Give him your best. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we see that. We see that in Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, I shared with you uh, last week uh, about the priest. Uh, uh, go with me to the book of uh, Leviticus chapter 16. Some of you probably know this already, but we're going to go there anyway. That's fine. <coughs> Excuse me. But in the book of Leviticus chapter 16, here we have instruction. And it is it is stated in the it is stated in the service of the tabernacle of course we're talking about the seventh month feast the day of atonement uh, trumpets the day of atonement uh, and the feast of tabernacles but the service itself, during the Day of Atonement, the priest, because of the number of sacrifices that he's offering up that day, here's the thing. And, and, and those of you who weren't here to hear this, the priest changes garments. The priest changes garments five times that day. 
Wow. A lot of people don't realize that. And, and, and if you take a look at you take a look at, in detail about what happens that day during during uh, the service on the Day of Atonement, you understand why he has to change garments five times that day. Now, if I could get you to take a really good look at, like I said, we're looking at the basics concerning this. We're looking at the basics. Okay? So if he changes garments five times, he changes garments that day five times in, in the service there on the Day of Atonement. And it's because of not just uh, the length or the time that he spent there, he's spending there in the tabernacle or even in the temple that day. Of course, he starts in the morning. He They go on until, until uh, late afternoon, right before evening, when the last sacrifice is offered up, okay? When he makes atonement. As the last when he's in there and he comes back up. So five times, can you imagine that? Having to go in there five times. And here, here's the thing. All, all during the, the service, all the sacrifice that has been brought into the of course in the tabernacle before the temple was built, and then when the when the temple was built in the tabernacle. But can you imagine all those sacrifices that were brought in? That were brought in and tethered. And, and, you know, it was an ongoing thing. It was like, you know, going through the whole process of the day. Here were these sacrifices coming in and, and being sacrificed. And here was, here was all the blood that was shed. And all that blood that was applied. All the service of the tabernacle. All that motion. All the movement of, of all the, the Levites that were involved in taking care of all this and and the high priest. So you can imagine why it was necessary for him to dress five times. So, so it pertained to it pertained to the sacrifices that were there. It pertained to the sacrifices. Okay? It pertained to ministering to the people of Israel. Why? Because this was the day of atonement. Okay? I'll, I'll focus on the Hebrew perspective of the Day of Atonement a little later on. And what they refer to the Day of Atonement as. There's a certain there's a certain things that they refer to the days of awe from the first day of the blowing the trumpets to the Day of Atonement. They call that the days of awe. But we'll touch on that later. That's not so important for you to understand the reason, the real reason why the Day of Atonement and everything that was involved in it. Okay? Um, so we see that. So here we see in, in, in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse number 1, the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times in the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, <clears throat> that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Remember, now, does anybody, does, does something come to mind, just reading this first part of the scripture, does something come to mind? What is the Lord saying? He said, he doesn't necessarily have to go in there every time he enters into that tabernacle. He only has to go in there once. Okay, so, so don't tell Aaron he doesn't have to go into the tabernacle but once. Okay? 
and speak unto Moses, um, uh, thus shall Aaron come in into the holy place with a young bullock or sin offering and a ram or a burnt offering. So you always see that pattern, a bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on, now look what he says, he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen miter shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash in his flesh. He shall wash his flesh in water and so put them on. And so we see, we see the instruction given to him pertaining to this. And, and uh, you go there at the end of the chapter because he's talking about all this, the different sacrifices here in, in, the, in, the, in this chapter here. But go to the end of the chapter and, and look, look what he says here uh, in verse number 24 or verse number 23. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offerings and the burnt offerings of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar. And he that, and he that let go the goat for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes bathe his flesh in water and afterward come unto the camp. And the bullock for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was upon, <clears throat> was brought into the, to make atonement in the holy place, shall one carry forth without the camp and they shall burn in the fire of their skins and their flesh and their dung. And uh, in all this, and he burneth them, shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterward he shall come into the camp. So you can see all the things that had to be done as far as the handling of the sacrifices. Okay, this is, this, this is only talking about the Day of Atonement. Keep that in mind, in, in, in your mind now. So you see that, okay, then you go down into, <clears throat> then you go down into verse number 33, and he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. One. And he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation, two. And for the altar, three. And he shall make an atonement for the priest, four. And for all the people of the congregation, five. So there were these five instances where he had to go back and forth making an atonement for the people of Israel. Thus, he had to change his garments five times. Everybody see that? And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. So we see that the, the garment changes five times for these purposes. But yet, why five times? What did I say? If this is a type and shadow of the New Testament ministry, Apostle, prophet, and evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Hallelujah. 
Now, this pertains to, again, what? The sacrifices. Now, just let that sink in your minds a little bit. This pertains to all the sacrifices. When, this, when we put all this together concerning the seventh feast and every seventh feast and everything that's happening during this month and the Day of Atonement, what's going to happen as far as the blowing of the trumpets and preparation for the Day of Atonement, what God's going to do in the church in the last day, we're going to see this. We're going to experience this. But yet, it's not just going to be a literal, you know, uh, sacrifices and and celebration and upholding the feast, it's going to be a spiritual one. <coughs> Everything that's going to take place. Uh, <clears throat> I might, I might, just, just let me share this thought with you. Because we have instruction concerning the high priest. We have instruction concerning the people. We'll touch on this and the sacrifice. But I, I want you to understand something. Even though, even though, the Bible refers to the Feast of Pentecost being the greatest feast of all. <laughs> Up until the time that Jesus fulfilled, that he fulfilled God's word concerning his sacrifice. Remember, the high priest could only enter in. Uh, let's go in the book of Hebrews chapter Nine. The high priest could only enter in into the holiest of all. What did we say? What did the Lord tell Moses? Once. All that service, all that was done there to cleanse and everything, cleanse everything, he was only supposed to go in there once, and that was when he made the atonement for the sins of Israel. Okay? Remember this. When he made an atonement. Now here's the thing. When he made that atonement, if you if you study the word, if you study everything concerning the word, the, the sacrifices and the day of atonement, when he made that atonement, did you realize this? The word, the Hebrew word that comes into place when they're describing what he does there in the tabernacle on the day of atonement, he, he did you know what that did? All that did was cover them. Huh? All that did was cover them. In other words, that covered them and it pushed back their sins one year. It rolled back their sins one year. In other words, guess what? The judgment of God wasn't going to come upon them. So their sins were rolled back one year. So after they offered that sacrifice, guess what? Here's, here's, here's the, the, the mindset of Israel. No judgment of God for one year. Huh? No judgment of God for one year. But when they when they came to the next year, when that year was fulfilled, and they started coming to the when they heard those trumpets blow, guess what? Right away. Here we go. Here we go. So they were reminded, okay? So you read that here. We read that here in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 9, in verse number 8, it says, it says, the Holy Ghost. This signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make 
him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. In other words, you know what? They were always reminded. They were always reminded when, when they approached that seventh month, when they heard those trumpets, they were always reminded. We have to prepare. Okay? So it said, which stood only in meats and in drinks and in divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed upon them on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect sacrifice, perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So in other words, guess what? By that one sacrifice, he was our high priest. By that one sacrifice, when he went in, when he took his blood. Now here's the thing. He didn't do it. It didn't happen during tabernacles. It happened at Passover. <coughs> he took his blood, and, and when that curtain was rent in the temple from top to bottom, guess what? He took his blood. He went into the Holy of Holies up in heaven, and he made atonement for us. Once and for all. Once and for all. So listen to this. If he made atonement for us once and for all, guess what? We don't have remembrance of those things yearly like they did. You know why? Because it's totally wiped clean. Here's the difference. We're not covered. And the reason why we're not covered, it's been removed. That's why the Bible says, for remission of sins. We shouldn't look at those things as they're, though they are there. They're not there no more. They've been washed away. We'll stop there this morning. Praise God. I hope, I hope it's something that you can. Again, next week I'll, I'll hand out these, uh, these uh, outlines and stuff so you can take a look at them and you can get yourself familiar with it. And like I said, they're good. They're good. Uh, help, so help you to get into it. Help you do your own research. Thank you for your attendance this morning. Thank you for coming. We'll see everybody tonight at 6 for prayer, 6.30 service. God bless you. Have a good day.